Wonderful. And welcome, everybody, to today's uh, podcast recording. Um, as many of you know, we are doing lots of different podcasts at the moment. We didn't run these every week across the recruitment network. But we're also running a secondary series concurrently, which is all about um, women and ladies in recruitment and some of the most inspirational women that I've met, I've got to know over the years in the recruitment sector. Um, so really excited to bring on an award-winning, and I'm going to say that for a reason, we'll come on to that in a second, an award-winning uh, recruitment business leader, um, Elena Kiria, who is the founder of Element, that um, specializes in the medical device uh, sector. I'm not going to go into too much detail. Uh, I want El Elena to give us a bit more of the story. Uh, I know Elena also runs her own podcast. Um, I think, believe you've got 10 years in recruitment. I think this is your 10-year anniversary this year, I believe. Is that correct? 2020 will it, it 20, was it 2020 is it 2022 oh. sorry 2022 okay. so i'm coming okay. in line yeah all right cool all right we'll, we'll hold off on the champagne for now that type of stuff <laughs> um but very very fresh from back from the recruiter awards um where you were awarded the best international recruitment agency in the uk which is an unbelievable accolade so absolutely superb so first and foremost eleanor thank you so much for joining us today how are you how are things and are you in a state of euphoria because of your award uh, yeah, just overwhelmed, I have to say, with all the like positive feedback that we've got as well, you know, off the back of the awards. Um, it's something that, you know, we, it was something I wanted to win, I'm not going to lie, because, you know, that that for me is, is, is confirmation that we're doing the right thing, right? Um, and it's like, so obviously that recruiter in me was sort of uh, saying, hey, I really want to win. But equally, you know, some of the companies that we were up against and some of the leaders of those businesses, I have huge respect for. So it was a really tough category. And, you know, I had my fingers crossed, but it was it did come as a surprise. To be yeah. <laughs> and what a great surprise to have. right? And, and to, you know, to run a successful recruitment company, tough to run a successful recruitment that does international. It makes it twice as hard. Right. So we'll, we'll hear more about the story. Let, let, let's go back in. So, so it's nine years, not 10 years just yet. So I'll put the champagne on hold. Let, Let's just go back into the 10 year history. Can you, can you just walk us through the story, Eleanor's story, how you got into um, recruitment in the first place, how you've got to where you got to now with Ella Med and, and where you're planning on going? Yeah, wow. So, I mean, how did I get into recruitment? Um, I fell into it, as everybody <laughs> says, you know. But so it's an interesting story. So before I sort of got into recruitment, I actually applied to be on The Apprentice. So not a lot of people know this. Um, and I got down to the last 20 before they shortlisted the, I think it's 16 or so that they shortlisted for the show. Wow. Um, and um, I went in with a business plan because at the time, actually, I had a number of different businesses that I was running, totally non-recruitment related, but in all different areas, I was selling fancy dress costumes. I was selling flashing lights in, in uh, big nightclubs like Oceana. And I, I had uh, people going out and doing that for me. And I said, why not? I'm going to try and apply for The Apprentice. So I did. And I have to say the summer of 20. 12 or 2011 now it gets blurry in my mind but I went through that process and that was a couple of months of just a really grueling interview process like you've never been in your life right um the way that the competitiveness of trying to go through something like that um I think it just set me up for life <laughs> was was your business plan the recruitment company or was it the flash no 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 so I didn't know anything about recruitment at the time so my business plan at the time was um selling these uh, flashing accessories in nightclubs right. uh, and how I was going to grow that um, nationwide. And I was already in, you know, the Luminar group at the time, which was quite well known. They basically owned at the time, like Oceana and some of those big clubs. So it was about how I was going to grow that and um, had to put together a business plan. I just thought I'd give it a shot. I didn't think I was going to get as far as I did, you know, but I have to say the actual interview process of 
getting like through the apprentice to the last 20 was really grueling right like the first the first part of it is you go in and you're given a number and you stand on a line and there's 40 people on a line and when they call your number you have to stand forward and you have 10 seconds to make an impact and that's it <laughs> and out of the 40 people they choose one and they just keep it just it just goes like that and like that and like that from thousands and thousands that apply you know you're just thrown against each other and you have to just react you have to just compete and I just feel that even though I didn't get onto the show <laughs> it set me up you know and, yeah. like, and so then my dad was basically like you need to find a job and I was like yeah <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I'm gonna find a job because uh, my it was all that that sort of side business um was just to get me through uni right they're selling the flashing lights and and uh, he kind of said to me, you know, after I got the feedback from The Apprentice, he sort of said, if you don't find a job, I'll find one for you. And the thing is, when my dad says that, you have to totally believe it because he once said that to me and then he found me a job in McDonald's on £4.20 an hour and I had nothing else. So I had to do it. So as soon as my dad was like, you know, I'm going to, you better find a job or I'll find one for you. I was like, okay, I better find a job. So um, I was looking for stuff in sales, you know, because uh, I like dealing with people. I, I speak multiple languages. And somehow uh, somebody contacted me about recruitment and I never knew what it was. Um, long story short, I went for a load of interviews, ended up at an interview at Huntress Group at the time. Um, and they were looking to hire somebody to do a new market for them. So uh, something in sciences, you know, that like completely um, didn't exist already within the company, but they wanted to probably hire someone cheap, right? On a low salary, but had a lot of energy and just wanted to just throw them at the market. And so I, I got hired um, to basically start up the science desk at Huntress. Um, and uh, I went in totally cold, no database, not one client, not one candidate, right? A brand that not one person in the European life science market, if you called them and you said, this is a company I work for, number one, they'd be like, what does that name even mean? And secondly, there was nothing, right? Um, and I just somehow did really well, right? So like um, one rookie of the year in my first year, build 200K in my first year, um, in my first year, also won the third best perm consultant across the whole business. In my second year, was top billing consultant, out billing contract. Um, as a perm recruiter from a standing start on my own, it sort of, you know, got me this momentum in, in the company. And I moved very quickly, sort of, in terms of exposure, had a lot of time spent on lunch clubs <laughs> with the leadership of the business and very quickly I sort of realized that when you're part of a really big company like that it's great because of the systems that are behind you but you never really own the message you never really own the brand and when I would start to come up with ideas on how we can improve things or do things better and become more specialized in the science business right um it was really hard to get a decision pushed through and at the time I was like 23 you know so um I, I didn't have that life experience as well, but very quickly I realized that, you know, longer term, that wasn't what I wanted to do because I wanted to have something really specialized. Um, I wanted to have something that that worked a little bit different to just a recruitment company, which is why I left and started Element. Right. And then just talk me about the Element story from, from start to award winning. Yeah. So Element, so we're six years old, yep. right? But actually for the first three years, it was just me on my own. Mm. And um, I, I first wanted to get really established because I never wanted to um, 
look for investment or have people, you know, because of what I experienced at Huntress, I didn't want to have people make decisions over the business that were not part of the business. So for the first few years, it was just me on my own billing. Um, and then we started on this sort of growth journey about three years ago, which is when I made my first hire and started to bring people into Elamed. So even though we're six, I kind of see us as three years old. Yeah. First three years was really tough, right? So the first year in particular, because I went from this amazing lifestyle that I had in a big um, recruitment business, you know, to working in my spare bedroom that I, that I painted bright purple because I wanted it to give me energy. And I was depressed, James, like honestly, <laughs> in, in retrospect, um, at, the, at the time, I didn't necessarily know what it was, but when I reflect back on it, I was really depressed, mm. like genuinely, you know, I was, I was waking up at like 7 a.m. and working immediately because we were at the European market. So earlier is better. Yeah. But then it's, it's the kind of job as well that like is never ending. There's always something more you can do. I was working these crazy hours and it's just me and my cat, right? Like wasn't interacting with any people. This is before you use Zoom with clients. Um, so I did that for the first three years. And then I started, said, okay, now it's time to grow. And, you know, we got an office and I started to hire and it's just snowballed the last three years for us, you know? And now I've got an, honestly an amazing team, honestly an amazing team that are just excellent at what they do and really passionate about what they do. And, um, you know, COVID last year, um, we came up with a mentoring program that we can talk about as well. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just snowballed, you know, we've had, we've had growth year on year. We've had um, more people joining the business in particular this year. And then, yeah, just bang, here's an yeah. award. <laughs> well, well, no, it's a, it's a great, great story from in such a short space of time and during what's well, been a global pandemic for half of it as well, if you think about it. So the, um, there's a couple of pivotal moments in your career and there's there's two things I'm really interested in the first one is going back actually to the apprentice and I don't want to dwell on that too much and that's not all your life but the um for, for at the, your experience at the apprentice first and foremost what, what has that taught you around I suppose the interview process with people I mean, I mean have you completely changed the way you interview people because of what you went through at the apprentice which sounded pretty bloody horrible oh honest, it, was, but... it was really tough honestly it was really tough I think so for me one of the big learnings there right was differentiation mm -hmm. that was key the only reason I got as far as I as I got was because like I I very quickly learned okay how am I different to all these people that I'm standing next to and yeah. then I really lent into that so um, that's how we operate as a business, right? And I, I apply that to Elemed. How are we different to everybody else? What do we do differently for our candidates and our clients and the market generally? You know, what, what differentiates us, uh, us, uh, ourselves, which is giving back to the community and the brand piece. And then we really lean, lean into that and push on it really hard. Yeah. Um, so less around how we interview, uh, you know, I would never want to put somebody through that apprentice, <laughs> to be honest, but more about how we operate. And I think that's really set for me, that was, that's really set sort of like a foundation in me of like how I operate as a recruiter personally, because I'm still very hands-on and I'm still billing, but also how Elemed is as a business. Okay. And I, and I think it's really, it's really, yeah, it, it would be fascinating to see how that would have even changed even further had you actually won the, well, I suppose you probably wouldn't have a recruitment company. I wouldn't have a recruitment company. <laughs> you'd, be doing, you'd be doing your flashing lights instead. Um, the, the, the second pivotal moment for me is, is that initial period of your career at Huntress, right, where you, you know, a great bit of right from the very beginning. What, what do you think that you did differently? What was it about your DNA, your makeup that made you 
be so successful right in the early stages and is that the sort of are you trying to find that in people you hire today yeah so you know and this is a really interesting one because I, I was always asked this question and I never knew the answer to be honest mm. it was just like I don't know right but now ref upon reflection I think I've got more gray hairs now right so <laughs> I spend more time reflecting I think it was really that in those early days I truly was a sponge right I just I would do things like five hours a day on the phone in the first four months right like I was just on the phone speaking to as many people as I could and learning everything you know I was learning about the market from my candidates I was learning um when I heard other recruiters do good things around me I was just copying them copying sentences, copying how they would deliver certain things, how they would close, looking at how they would send emails, really just like absorbed everything and then just replicated what I liked and sort of made it my own. And I truly believe like that plus the resilience and just really hard work, that together I think is what sort of helped me get to where I got in the time that I got to where I got. Brilliant, okay, I, I love those two things and I think they're, they're massive in our industry. Um, I think resilience has been really checked these last 18 months. I think we're learning a lot about people's resilience or not resilience. But that sponge piece about just learning, I think some people are sometimes a little bit too head down. They, 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 they've, they've learned something. They just do that for the next five years. There's a lot more to it. And the, and the market's changing all the time. But you, you've now obviously pivoted. So your role, I know you are still hands-on, but your role's obviously changed from being a biller to now a business owner in, in its fullest sense of the word with staff and awards and all that sort of good stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to keep dropping in awards as many times as I possibly can on this podcast. <laughs> the, um, what, what, what are some of the sort of the lessons or principles that you've learned about running a business? And this is different from, and well, starting, growing and running a business, different from maybe just being a sort of recruiter or a biller. Yeah, so I think a key, a key learning for me is that business is bigger than you, right? Mm. And therefore in order to have something sustainable, you need to have a system in place and you need to have a machine that can actually operate effectively without you. And this is something that was a big learning curve for me. And that's a key principle that is the difference between, I think, a good recruiter and building a business. Um, what else did you ask me? I forgot. Well, no, no. I mean, I, mean, I suppose it's like, you know, yeah. as you've gone through this journey of building a business, you know, what, what have you learned? So yes, you've got to build a machine. I get that. but you know, it, it, you know what, what are some of the other lessons that you would yeah. probably say to someone else if they're in your shoes, hey, I'm thinking of running a business, what do you reckon? Yeah, so I think, like, don't underestimate. So do it, don't do it because you think you're going to make more money. That's what I would say, because actually um, the time that, when you're working for a big company, all the systems and everything that they have in place, you don't realise what's already there until you actually have to build it. And um that takes time so um you you yes you could make more money what you will have is more flexibility but actually the time that you have to spend on building this machine is time taken away from you actually making placements right so it sort of swings and roundabouts that's one thing i think the other thing as well is really understanding for me another like key learning was around the people piece you know um because i think running a business especially a business in services it's all about the people that you hire so you can have this a machine that operates really well um, in terms of systems and processes but if you don't have the right people in the right roles in roles that play to their strengths and if you're not able to look at that and make sure that they're in those right roles 
equally your business won't won't succeed and that was a big learning you know we had some people early on in in in, in the business that's still in the business now but may not have just been in the right roles so I think yeah. that that's also really important that you look at your team and you say like are these people in roles that are playing to their strengths where they can actually achieve their full potential and if not change it you know work yeah. with them to 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 adapt that um and then you, you, you've got you've got to be quite bold to do that though haven't you because that sometimes means changing that operating model that you built in the first place because you're adapting it potentially to the, what you've got from a people point of view yeah but i believe right i truly believe in recruitment i mean look i'm a, I'm, I'm my background was 360 right true pure 360 but recruitment has changed from when i first started doing recruitment and I truly believe that there's some amazing business developers out there, but equally there's some amazing account managers and resources. And so I really believe uh, in, in tailoring the role to the person, right? Mm -hmm. There's elements of the job and it's hard to find a good 360 consultant, but even as a true pure 360, I have parts of the job that I like and don't like. Yeah. So once I realized that that was something that was important to me and actually fundamental to the way that I wanted Elema to run and the way I wanted the roles to, to, to look, um, again, that was something that I said, right, this is actually a differentiator for us now. This is a selling point for us. So it was it was a moment where I had to say, OK, well, I'm going to deviate from what is actually really classic from, you know, other people that I was talking to that have recruitment businesses in splitting up roles, in in having a bigger marketing and ops team than a recruitment team, for example. Yeah. But if but if you really believe in it, I think you just have to do it. You have to just try, you know, yeah. and for me, that's that's worked out quite well. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, no, I, I, you know, I agree with you on that, one hundred percent. And and do, so, do you feel then that there is a responsibility of the leadership team, i.e., you, to take to understand where people are trying to go, wherever their potential strengths might be, even they haven't gotten yet, and then train and support them to be able to get there? Is that a big part of the journey, or is it just based on this is what you're good at? Let's just get you in that spot, type of thing. I think it's a bit of everything, right? So it's sort of like, where do you want to go? And here are some routes op and options. And at Element, we're really big on like, you don't have to become a manager or manager team, right? So like in my, in my background, that was always the route I was trying to be, that people were trying to push me down, right? And I just wanted to be a principal consultant, make loads and loads of placements and just be the best in the industry for what I did. So we have different routes open. So I think number one is having different routes open and being clear to your team on what those routes are. Also having an understanding of where do you wanna go and what are the gaps between where you are now and what do you need to demonstrate to be able to, to, be able to get to that next level. And then constantly evaluating performance against those gaps and yeah. also you're enjoying it, right? So I think very often people come into recruitment and say, I want to be a 360 consultant because everybody talks about 360 consultants. But then once they've started doing it, there's a difference between like really like loving it and being resilient and, um, you know, going through those tough times and pushing through to develop those skills and experiences. But there's also a moment where then also maybe that's just not your strongest point and maybe you're just really good at something else and maybe you yeah. want to dedicate your time so I think it's having that conversation when you start to see that and being flexible to okay you said you want to go down this path but are you sure right because that, that is also open to you and um that constant dialogue I think is really important you know yeah, I, I think you're right I, th I think people's development journeys is never linear and I think yeah. it changes and flexes. And, and, and as we've seen, the market has flipped its head around 18 months. So it has to change now. I, I suppose that leads in nicely into the into the sort of one of the initiatives that you're running, which is the mentoring program, which I know is more external to the business. But talk us through a little bit about why you've done that and, and what the benefits are to you as a business and to the people that you're doing it with. 
Yeah, so it was born out of COVID. So when COVID happened, you know, we're, we're in the medtech industry, right? So people always say, hey, did you have loads and loads of business? And the answer is no. But equally, we didn't have to furlough anybody. We didn't have to cut anything away. Everything just slowed down. And yeah. I, I just wanted my team to be kept busy. So I, I said to them, look, let's come up with an idea. So how can we best serve our community? Because I'm really big on community. That's that's the thing about Elemed, right? So we support the community and, and it's very community led. Um, what can we be doing for our candidates and clients that will help them when they're not looking for a job? Because right now, maybe not everyone's looking for a job because it's COVID and uh, in our industry, it's very job secure. Um, what else can we be doing for them? And then it came out, it kind of came out that in our market, um, there's a lot of training courses for technical skills, but actually there's not anything that really leans into and supports people's sort of personal development or on the more soft skills side mm -hmm. and so we decided you know element has a really big network um so we decided to sort of come up with a scheme that would be paid um so it was revenue generating um but it would pair uh, mentees with experienced mentors plus there would be a training program that would be layered on top of that um, to develop these soft skills, as well as a community where the mentees would get together and the mentors could get together and network and talk about interesting topics and sort of help each other as a group. So it has these three core pillars. And sort of we developed that and uh, we tested it. So I had a lot of conversations with people first to say, would this be valuable? You know, what, what do you think? And it had really good feedback. And then we launched it. And um, we had, I think, from when we launched it, we had like 32 mentees sign up and we were oversubscribed on the mentors and we did that super cold um with mm. like with basically nothing in the middle of covid when companies didn't have any budget to spend on anything so i think for us you know obviously there was you know financial rewards there's the brand piece but also it's led to some beautiful partnerships so there's a big association for regulatory affairs that's really well known in our market that reached out to us and said hey we love what you're doing can we you know support with that and we partnered with them so that's now an element and wraps co-branded um, mentoring scheme and we've you know we've just released a really big market insights report on the size of the regulatory profession so we're we're really into data and giving back and so that's benefited us in terms of brands and and differentiation again and then there's also that revenue stream that in the time of covid you know when we weren't making as many placements you know allowed us to continue to operate as a business so and, and, do you, and do you think that's created because of your behaviors during covid which i think are amazingly generous and, and amazingly positive actually in a, in a very dark time for a lot of people do you think that your behaviors and what you did over covid have created a lot of loyalty now with your your community your network your you know, clients candidates etc i think so because you know i because it's created trust you know um we weren't there sort of shoving jobs or trying to headhunt people out you know when actually there weren't any jobs but but also i think like that that thing of giving back and the wider network and be able to connect people um we saw some amazing results from our mentoring program you know we saw i think three or four promotions one guy got promoted like two levels up as a result mm. um and and, and I think that that has sort of just created positivity around what we're doing. And that's something that's really important to me, you know, like we're not just a recruitment company, you know, we're there to serve the community in, in regulatory and quality and med tech through other things that aren't just jobs, you know, and yeah, um, yeah it started to have that positive feedback, but there's more that I want to do and there's more that's coming up in the pipeline. So 
I'm really excited. Yeah. I, I, I think I think it's brilliant, and and I think it, it's, it's people like you that I look at and just think, yeah, yeah, yes, he's running a great business. Yes, he's very entrepreneurial and building something great. But she, but you're also making a difference, a genuine difference. And and I don't, I think I know you well enough now over the years to know that you don't just do it because there's a commercial thing to it. You do it because actually it it feels good. It feels right. It's the right thing to do, which I, which I think is great. That, that that does a lot for the rest of our industry. I think so. I think it's important. So I thank you for doing it. The um. I want to touch on um, equality and diversity in ED&I and, and sort of your thoughts around that, not only from the industry, the medtech industry, but also from recruitment itself. What, what Do you think it's sort of, it's, it's improving, it's got better, is it still a problem? Where, where are we at with it all? So um, if we talk about it externally, medtech-wise um, and recruitment-wise even actually, it's on the agenda, right, which is great. It's, uh, it's something now that people are definitely having conversations about much more than they were in the past. Um, from a med tech perspective, something that I'm, I remember going to an event and having a really heated debate around positive discrimination and, um, whether that was really necessary. Right. And as a recruiter, I truly believe that it's all about having the best person for the role ultimately. And actually I've been pulled in on searches where let's say companies may have not hired the best person for the role, but did it to meet a quota. And then, you know, you see the impact of actually what a bad hire is. So I think, I think ultimately it's really about having the right person for the role. So what I do and what I, I really try to have Elemed do is more sort of like actively encouraging those, um, you know, um, females or people from different backgrounds or underrepresented groups, more sort of encouraging and pushing them to apply right? Yeah. Rather than advising our clients to sort of like positively discriminate in order to fill quota. So, you know, I think that that's, that's something that's really important, but I'm just conscious of, for me personally, I, I always want it to be focused on making the best possible hire for the business. Now in MedTech, for example, at, uh, in director quality roles is, is very male led, right? <clears throat> so the question is, why is that male led? And how can we tap into to, to, to more females, for example, where do we need to go to get these underrepresented groups to actually want to put themselves forward for more of these roles? What educational pieces do we need to do? How do we need to, you know, what pipelines do we need to build to, to push that that forward and that's the conversation that i'm trying to engage in with our clients and our candidates to try to raise more awareness around these topics from a recruitment perspective you know james we have the opposite problem right so we're we're a very female dominated business um recruiting into real technical areas that generally are very male-led so and and um aside from the obvious you know if you look at a picture of element you'll see quite quite clearly that we aren't very gender balanced yet but it's something that we're working on we're really diverse as a business we're culturally diverse and and i also th think diversity is important in the other things that you don't directly see so diversity of opinions diversity of personality diversity of experiences and backgrounds and that's something as well that we really try to do a lot of so i have a sort of mini united nations you know my team they're multilingual they're multicultural they're multi everything right now and that's what i love and that's what i want to continue to, to build yeah no i agree and you know i'm a big fan of matthew side and that whole diversity of thinking concept which i think mm. is spot on you know but but I, th I think your point is right about positive discrimination and, and, and you know and representation i think what's important here is to create opportunity for everyone 
yeah um, and that's the key to this it's, it's not about it's not it's almost like not about how you decide it's about giving people the opportunity so you can decide about them i think yeah. you know, that's the yeah. stuff so you, you, you've got a lot going on with obviously the mentoring program and all this stuff and you're growing and you've got other initiatives i know what what, what's, what does tomorrow look like for for you like actually tomorrow well, not actually tomorrow. No, not oh, actually tomorrow. Oh, okay. As it was. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, well, no, but a good point. Actually, tomorrow I'm going to be working from home in my pajamas, okay, and uh, as as you know, we've got this hybrid working model now. Uh, right, fine. Okay, <laughs> fine. The learnings from the last year, but no, I think tomorrow, you know, <laughs> future tomorrow of Elemed is definitely going to be um, a growing company. You know, I I, I really want to lean in more into these uh, key markets that we want to expand into and continue to provide exceptional service to our clients and candidates into the wider community there's a, a few things that we're going to be releasing i can't say too much about now um but you know it's going to be more around serving the community and not just jobs you know that's that's really what we're all about um Brilliant. so you have to keep you have to keep an eye on our page if you want to see more all right done oh, clever like it nice <laughs> plug there um okay couple couple quick fire questions to close it off and I, i've used the word tomorrow so i'm not going to say tomorrow i am going to go tomorrow in your pajamas when you're at home tomorrow with your slight hangover from your lunch club <laughs> today <laughs> if, if, if you were to change one thing about the world of recruitment or the world of business what would be that one thing that you change tomorrow i would change the cost of linkedin ads <laughs> 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 I think no I, I I think that you know it's it's really about I just think it's really about playing to people's strengths you know and I and I think that, that the conversation needs to be have had much more around this isn't I, I don't have anything more philosophical than than that really I think it's really about just that that hybrid work you know that um, management by outcomes and just playing to people's strengths and just making sure that you have the right people in the right roles doing what they love and I think that that's yeah. the most important thing and yeah. that and it's yeah. It's, a, it's a simple, it's a simply re simple recipe for success, right? It doesn't have to be clever and con you know, and all sort of big picture. It's just like it just works. So just do it, yeah. and I think so. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, are there any particular leaders that inspire you or have inspired you? Honestly, it's my mum, James. Really? She's probably listening to this, um, <laughs> but that's not why I'm saying it. I think, look, I could say Michelle Obama and all of the, you know, the, the, the leaders out there, but it's all smoke and mirrors ultimately. But truly for me, the person who inspires me, who has sort of got me to where I am now without even realising it has always been my mum, you know? And so that's sort of who I benchmark myself against she gave up yeah she never she never went to work right I mean she worked a little bit and then she had kids and she gave up her career her life for her kids but she had so much potential to be this amazing businesswoman so I just always benchmark you know myself to her and she's the one that keeps me going I can imagine that being your speech your acceptance speech for the award I want to thank I want to thank my mum well. <laughs> my mum would be an incredible recruiter <laughs> let's get let's get her in we need some good recruiters let's bring her in um and any particular businesses that inspire you? TRN, I have to say, I have to say, and I'm not saying <laughs> it only because I'm on your podcast. I really love what TRN are doing and, and, and it's what you guys do that I try to apply to Elemed. It's that idea of community. It's about giving back. It's about, you know, adding value um, outside of what, what people would expect. And that is something that for me, James, what you've done with TRN and what you and Gordon have done, you know, is something that I try to... Um, to 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 learn from 
to be a sponge and to apply to Elamed. <laughs> well, that's, that's a really lovely thing to say. So thank you. I really, you know, I appreciate that massively. And then the last bit then, I don't know if you, if you possibly get time to read much. And I always ask this question, you expect they're all business, you must read books all the time, right? But are there any particular business books or things that you say, hey, everyone's got to get their teeth into this one? I definitely, yeah. So what I'm reading and almost finished is Never Split the Difference, which I really mm-hmm. like. I really, really like this. Um, uh, so I really recommend Never Split the Difference. I've forgotten the guy's name, but he was a FBI hostage negotiator. But yeah. it's, really, it's really about sales. It's really about sales and influence. And um, there's so many sales techniques that you'll get from just reading that book. So I really recommend that. And also the other one that I like is um, Blue Ocean Strategy. Yeah. Yeah. So these are, these are two. And I think from what you know of me, you'll see that I apply these like actually um, fundamentally in, in how we operate. So yeah, give those a read. Brilliant. Absolutely superb. I'm a, I love Blue Ocean Strategy. And I think that actually encompasses you perfectly. So that's exactly <laughs> what you are. There's no red ocean about you. It's all Blue Ocean. <laughs> it's absolutely superb. Listen, um, as always, a real, real pleasure to catch up with you. I, I always come off calls with you or conversations with you with this real smile on my face I can't help but just smile and feel positive because you're, you're a natural smiler but but more importantly you're just a naturally positive person that is actually making a real difference that's why you're winning awards that's why you're running a great business and why there's so much much more, more to come so I think everybody listening to this podcast today would have got a huge amount out of it and more than anything it's just like get on with the basics and enjoy the journey and you know and have some fun with it and I think yeah, it's, it's brilliant to listen to so um thank you so much for joining me today really really appreciate it and I hope everyone listening to this has got a lot out of it today thanks james for having me on that was really fun (laughs) and enjoy your lunch club as well thank you